Hi, everyone. Welcome to Fantasy Football Fanatics. I'm here with Ben in LA. Hi, Ben. Hello. And I'm here with Gary in Santiago. Hi, Gary. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. I'm here in uh, in not very sunny San Francisco, where there's a lovely cloud of ash over my head. So not as sunny as normal. Um, welcome to the pod, everybody. So uh, we're going to get started with everyone's football moment of the week. So uh, you kick us off. Yeah, my, my football moment of the week is I saw a highlight where Rob Holding, um, the Arsenal defender, turned into prime Dennis Burkamp for a couple of seconds. He, he was doing some keepy-uppies with his like, knee and leg and like, flicked it over um, two, two defenders and then uh, set up Lacazette for, for a chance. Um, so that was quite surprising against Fulham. Um, if you haven't seen that highlight, I would check it out. Um, a bit of a soft spot too, because Rob Holding actually made it into my FPL team for game week one. So uh, yeah, hopefully that form continues. I presume they gave him some bonus points for that, right? Sadly, no, but they should have. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. I mean, obviously it's in character, so we can expect more of the same from him, right? Yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, good, good. So anybody who hasn't seen it, check that out because you can go on YouTube. Um, Rob Holding. Gary, what's your football moment of the week? Okay, I'm, I'm going to hit you with three, starting off very self-indulgent and then getting less self-indulgent. So the, the first was I, I played five-a-side football uh, on Thursday, the first time in six months. Um, the, the, the quarantine here in Santiago, so it was, it was good to get back, even though my, my fitness is shocking. Um, the second was the, the start of the championship, but um, it, it kind of went all wrong. My uh, I follow, which is how the, the fans abroad kind of follow the, the games. I had the, the Sheffield Wednesday versus uh, Cardiff pictures, but they somehow got the Huddersfield versus Norwich commentary overlaid onto it. So that was <laughs> that was confusing. Uh, uh, then the, the I guess the one most interesting the Premier League. I, I also watched the, the the opening game, the Arsenal Fulham, which was a it was a good game, and I I thought Arsenal looked really good. So in the absence of Duncan, we can say that they do look to me maybe even genuine title contenders. If I'm not going too far, and their their third goal was absolutely brilliant. It was this kind of thrilling two touch football from the keeper. Bellerin, El Nene, Lacazette, William crossfield ball, Aubameyang just takes it down, slots it in the top corner, and, and Fulham could do very little about it. I think Arsenal kind of invite the the other team onto them in their own half, and then they can switch it and counter attack so quickly. So, um, so yeah, a brilliant goal. Gary, what's the um, five side quality like in Chile? Oh, um, most of the people I play with are, are younger than me and fitter than me, so I'm kind of wheezing around trying to. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep up. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's some good footballers out here. Yeah, is the technical level higher than England? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> there's, there's a bit less of the kind of direct English style. Just get it and shoot. Uh, so yeah, my, my technically I'm found lacking, and I have to just I have to have the, the the kind of the classic breather in goal every every kind of 15 minutes. As soon as we let a goal in, I'm like de- running back to, to try <laughs> try and have a rest in goal. Have you um have you taught them the corner routine? No, um, we we haven't. Yeah, they, they, this we we used to have a five a side team back in the day, and we had this one where we'd load the box with all our team, and then the goalkeeper would sneak up to the halfway line, and we'd cut back to the keeper, and he'd shoot, and usually shoot 
my wildly off target uh, <laughs> over the fence, but it yeah. did work occasionally. I, I was often the goalkeeper, that was why, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it did work occasionally. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you haven't you haven't brought that uh, technical innovation with you <laughs> with you yet? <laughs> no, I'm waiting for the right moment for that. It, it needs it needs a yeah. But it's, yeah, we're, I'm not actually in a league. It's just a group of um, like about fifty people on uh, WhatsApp, and we just pick up a game every week from that. All right, I do want to just touch on something there. You just said uh, pretty controversially, I think. That Arsenal looked like title contenders in a game against a newly, I think, only played a newly promoted side so far, and with not all neither Chelsea nor Man United having played yet, or Man City. So there's a pretty big shout from you there, Gary. What did you see in that Arsenal side that that made you so impressed? Well, I mean, I'd I'd start by saying I actually thought Fulham played pretty well. Uh, I was impressed by Fulham. They were a bit better than I I thought. I just thought it was a very high quality game. I I think Fulham can be quite encouraged. that they kept the ball really well when they did it. And I think Fulham might might do a bit better than I thought on the evidence of that game. But there's obviously a couple of defensive lapses and Arsenal were just so clinical that um, William looks like he's added like an extra dimension to their attack. They, they've got Aubameyang, who's obviously right up there as one of the best attackers in the league. But I, I think uh, under Arteta, just defensively, they look, they look better as well. So I, I think they probably are like still a work in progress and they're not, their only chance this season is if it's kind of a 80 to 85 points kind of season. Um, but I, I do think that Liverpool and City, um, well, City didn't get that many points last year. I do think Liverpool are going to drop a bit. So I, I do genuinely think Arsenal are in the, are in the picture. That is a huge shout. Um, and especially given sort of uh, the enigma that is Arteta having come out of the Guardiola school of management, right? There's a, a lot of discussion about whether he's of that level of manager. Like that's a pretty strong endorsement of his managerial skills too. Yeah. I mean, I think apparently his coaching at city has been kind of raved about. And um, I think I read something that it was all about when they're playing out from the back, it's trying to commit um, a player to come on and press you and then kind of take the ball away and move it. So it's almost like, that, that third goal was just how he wants them to play, to kind of receive the ball under pressure, invite the man onto you, but then create the, the space of the pitch. And we we saw them against Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Um, and they, they, there was one or two other games towards the end of last season. Um, and particularly without Champions League to distract them, I, I think... Um, I think they might be one to watch. Although saying that, I, I, I did say in another in a WhatsApp group that I thought uh, Man U were also looking good for the title. So I don't know what to think. I, I, I Basically, I just think it's going to be a really close... After a lot of seasons where it's just been a one-horse or a two-horse race, I think it's going to actually be a, 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 a lot closer. A bunch of teams, maybe Chelsea if their signings gel, but definitely uh, Arsenal and Man U will, will be a lot closer to Liverpool this year. Okay, good. Well, I hope you're right because that would make for a very, very exciting season this year. I, I think this, this is, I agree, by the way, I think this season is going to be really exciting for a number of reasons. Um, so fingers crossed that we're both right. Um, very quickly, I also have a football moment of the week because I am halfway through the Amazon Prime documentary, um, All or Nothing, which is, uh, for anybody who hasn't heard about it, it's a, uh, a documentary following Tottenham's progress last season through the, uh, it sort of skips quite quickly through the Pochettino phase and then Mourinho arrives on stage and suddenly there's a star of the show and it becomes exciting again. 
Um, it's pretty good. Ben, you've watched it too, right? Yeah, I think I think it's so entertaining um, for a number of reasons. The first one is I didn't I don't really remember Tottenham season that well. So when they go into the matches, I I genuinely can't remember like oh do they win this game or do they lose this game, um, <laughs> and then. I just find Jose just—he's like so charismatic and really entertaining to watch. Um, and you know, we all were sh- kind of shitting on him when he was Manu manager. Um, but when you watch it, you're like, oh, this guy's like genuinely seems like a good manager, which I thought was interesting. Um, I don't know what you thought, Andy, as, as an ex, um, as he was our ex manager as well. Yeah, um, I—he I, certainly got gave the impression of being a really good one-to-one man manager didn't he you can see how in his early days when the players would literally die for him on the pitch you can see how he generates that kind of loyalty through the way through his interactions with the players um and and it's like his halftime team talks and stuff look like they really sort of get to the the detail very quickly and like i know he he gets his point across very very well and in a very passionate way that makes you really want to do what he says um so, yeah, I, I definitely did think that. And then I watched them play this week and thought, <laughs> uh, <Fiorino."> but, <laughs> but definitely, I, I recommend the documentary. It is very, very good. Um, Mourinho obviously is made for the camera. So um, that makes it very entertaining. Um, it's fun watching Daniel Levy kind of squirm every time he's in the presence of anybody with any charisma. Um, so, yeah, it's, there's a lot to watch in that. In that. I highly recommend it. Good. All right. Well, that's the uh, the first section over. Um, this is the big one, right? We're going to talk about our teams now. Um, so team reveal time. Gary, I'm going to line you up first to tell us who's in your team and how's it gone this week. Okay. So, yeah, we, we kind of went through our draft teams last week and there's been a bit of a... I, I did a bit of a reshuffle, but basically, um, so in goal... Um, I've got Leno from Arsenal, kind of talked about Arsenal's defence. And I, I, in the end, I didn't fall for Duncan's kind of Martinez uh, dummy, which he sent me. Uh, <laughs> Leno is the number one goal, so unlucky Duncan. Um, I've got Peacock Farrell as my reserve goalie. Um, I've gone defence, uh, Alexander-Arnold, Bellerin, another from Arsenal, Willie Bolly from Wolves. Um to my regret, I've got Bednarek from Southampton, who was subbed off at half time, I think, for just not being very good. So that that is picking him over um, James Justin is looking like a bit of a clanger because I I did tip Justin on that pod last week and uh, Mitchell from Crystal Palace. I think everyone's gone for as the only four million pound player who was looking to start. Um, unfortunately, benched him for so I missed out on six points there. Um, Midfield, I've gone for the stars, Aubameyang and Salah, uh, at least for the moment. And I went for Mason Mount, uh, Son Hyung Min, and uh, Mateus Pereira from West Brom as my kind of slightly more maverick pick. Uh, He didn't do very well today. And up front, I was talking about going with no recognised strikers and just going all cheap. But in the end, I kind of buckled. And brought in Raul Jimenez. Um, I thought I'd better have one recognised striker. Um, and he's up top with Patrick Bamford, who I was pretty pleased with, actually. He got a goal, again, wasted on my bench, but um, promising for the rest of the season. And uh, Indiana Vasilev as my 
4.5 million bench fodder never to be seen again. So, so that's the team. Okay. So you've managed to shoehorn in both Bamiang and Salah. That's, that's good going, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's where I've so that's why my strike force is quite weak because I, I feel like the the attacking midfielders are where the actions are and that's where I've all the, I've got people like Rashford and De Bruyne and Sterling in my thoughts as well, um, but I'm going to have to do some shuffling, perhaps lose Son Hyung Min to to get Rashford in. Um, but now the the thing I'm really pleased about is that I was I was planning to go in a Bamiyan captain. I, th- I think a lot of fantasy managers felt the same that. Um, the, the novelty of him being a midfielder all of a sudden, they got really excited. But then I, I did kind of just think, oh, hang on a second. Arsenal are away. I don't think Fulham are quite as bad as people are making out. Go for Salah at home against Leeds. And that paid off spectacularly. So I'm very happy to have had Salah as captain. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would be too if I had made that choice. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're top of the bar, right, Gary? On our mini-league or... How many points? Did uh, you get? I think me and I think me and Duncan. I think no. I think Duncan has got sixty nine points at the moment, and I'm on sixty five. Okay. And we say we're saying this. This is at the end of Sunday, so we've still got the Monday fixtures to go. So the thing I've got over Duncan is I have three players still to play: Jimenez, Bolly, and Mount. So, um, and if any of them don't play, I've got thirteen points on the bench from Mitchell and um, Bamford. So um, it might it almost be better if they don't play. But uh, yeah, hopefully. Um, Hopefully Jimenez and Bolly can do good, uh, come good against uh, Sheffield United. All right. Um, well, this is going well for you so far, Gary. Ben, how about you? Yes. Yeah, so I had a pretty decent week. I think I joked last week in the in our draft that I would probably revert back to a template type team come game time, and um, that's kind of what I did. So uh, I lined up three five two. Uh, McCarthy in goal, um, Trent, Rob Holding, who I talked about earlier. Um, I thought he was the cheapest way into, I think, what is now a pretty solid Arsenal defence. Um, the the only worry here is maybe a temporary pick as they get some of their other more recognised centre-backs fit. Um, and then I had James Justin on nine points. Um, I'm kind of shocked I'm the only one who has him, given... <clears throat> Gary talked so extensively about him last week, but he he got an assist in their their game today, winning a penalty. So that was good. Uh, in midfield, I have I think similar to a lot of people, Salah Obama Yang's son. Unfortunately, captain Obama Yang over Salah, which kind of li- limited my score a little bit this week. Um, and then had Suchek, um, which. He only got two points, but from people watching the game, he had he had four shots, so um, not a bad pick at five mil. And then um, Sam Maximan, who unfortunately didn't do much this week. And then I have Werner and Ings up front, uh, still to see Werner play. And then my bench is Jed Steer, Carl Walker-Peters, who almost got sent off, um, but luckily he got turned to a yellow um, but looking at some of his stats, people saying he, he was really advanced in, in that game, so it might be a good pick. Uh, Mitchell, like most people, sat on my bench uh, with his clean sheet. And then I have uh, Keenan Davis as kind of my fodder striker. So I, I currently have 61 points um, with Werner to play. 
so yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty satisfied. Not as good as Duncan or Gary, but I think a solid first game week. And if I can tr- break the top million in my first game week, I normally feel like I I've done my homework well. He has a solid team. I think the uh, the managing to get Abamyang, Salah, Son, and Werner all into the team looks like it, it's gone well for you, right? That seems to have been uh, the, the key to... Although, obviously, Son didn't do anything this week. He's one of the most exciting players in the game. So, um, I think that's probably where the strength is. Oh, yeah. And one thing that reminds me, um, I, I set up with my team with 0.5 in the bank because I, I wanted to go Ings <clears throat> um, to Martial in my second game week. And I will probably still do that. But I think we may talk a little bit about Everton later, and I thought Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin could also be interesting swaps as well. Yeah, definitely. Those because Everton look really good, didn't they? Um, good. Well, uh, my team. Uh, I'd like to preface this with the uh, with the caveat that I have already taken an eight point hit <laughs> next week. Amazing. That's, that's good going, Andy. <laughs> yeah. So um, my sort of uh, guiding principle for this team was that Man United and Man City um, aren't playing in game week one. So the whole team was based around game week two rather than game week one. Um, So I started with uh, Greenwood and Foden both on my bench so that I could then have more Man U and Man City players next week without sacrificing a player this week. Um, So those two are on my bench. My actual team this week, I started... When I sort of picked the team, I didn't think I was going to pick anybody controversial here, although it seems like I've got quite a different team from, from other people. So I've got McCarthy in goal. That, I think, is pretty standard. Um, Trent at right back. I've got... I saw last season Serge Aurier playing really far forward for Tottenham. And I thought, well, Doherty's a better player than Aurier and has a record of scoring loads of like goals and getting assists when he's when he's playing for Wolves. So that looked like a shoe-in to me and possibly good value, even at the 6 million price point with a Mourinho defence and an attacking right back. Um, I have uh, at Wolves, Johnny has a long-term injury. So Ruben Vinagra looks like he's going to substitute in that sort of attacking left-back position in in a back five. So I've picked Ruben Vinagra at four and a half. Um, Reese James, who is a very attacking right back in an attacking Chelsea side. And Stuart Dallas, who got an assist this week, um, although they did concede uh, three goals. Um, I, I did some research on Leeds and I found that last season, Dallas spent a lot of time playing in midfield as well as playing at left back. And they, they obviously have an attacking system with their fullbacks at Leeds with Bielsa as the manager. So, um, yeah, Stuart Dallas is my, my fifth defender. I'm going to obviously rotate those four. Trent will be a, a set and forget and the other four will rotate. Um, in midfield, I did not see the Salah hat-trick coming. Um, seemed to have been the only one who missed that. So I went for Bamiang over Salah. Um, and then the rest of my midfield is Sun, um, Sam Maximan, and then Greenwood and Foden on the bench. And then uh, my strike force is Werner Ings. Um, so that's not very controversial, I don't think. But then on the bench, um, Keenan Davis has obviously had a lot of people pick him. Um, he's got quite a high team selected by percentage for a four and a half million striker. That put me off him because I feel like um, a lot of people transfer out their fodder striker as they learn who the good strikers to have are. And I didn't want to... You're not going to play him anyway. 
And I didn't want to sort of lose the value of that player by having somebody who had a high team selected percentage and then loses value as they get transferred out. So I've gone for um, Rian Brewster as my fodder striker, uh, hoping that he'll hold his value better than, um, than Davis will. And my other goalkeeper is Matt Ryan. So that's my team. I would say that Bruce is quite a good player from what I've seen him in the championship. So if he does get a chance, I think I think he's better than uh, Solanke, who seemed to have that role at Liverpool a while back. Um, and I, I like your pick of Dallas as well, Andy. I might steal that one um, soon. I, I think, yeah, it looks like he's going to be the, the Lundstrom of um, this season, kind of playing in midfield sneakily. Um, but yeah, you've, yeah you, I, I, I'm kind of interested that you went... Um, you you put in Greenwood and Foden as two players to bring in next to thinking of next week, but you're still going to take an eight point hit. So that's quite. Well, yeah. So my eight point here, I should probably explain that, shouldn't I? My eight point here, um, I had always planned on uh, trading out Ings and Martial, and so I did that before I'd even watched any football because that was just always the plan. Um, and then Tottenham were just so awful this week that I decided I didn't want Doherty and Son anymore. And so I've done Justin for Doherty and Fernandez in for Sun. Um, so I've tripled up on Man U for next week, which is was what I always wanted. <laughs> um, and yeah, Justin, obviously, there's we've obviously talked extensively about him on last week's pod, but um, that's going to be my team for next week. Yeah, well, I guess we're going to come on to Man U, Man City in a, in a little moment, but that might be a, an advantage over quite a few play, players who are trying to gradually integrate their, their players in. So if uh, if Man U do thump Palace next week, then you'll be in the, the box seat. Yeah, and they have a, a good good, a good opening run of fixtures, but we'll talk about that later, like you say. Good. So um, we still have Duncan or Matt on the podcast. So Gary and Ben, you're going to... Um, talk about their teams on their behalves. Uh, Gary, why don't you um, reveal Duncan's team? Okay, so Duncan's also on 65 points like me, uh, but he's only got one player left to play, so I think I'm slightly edging him so far. Um, so that I think the headline from Duncan's team is the, the lesser-spotted Southampton double-strike force, which... Um, I think, I think Duncan kind of panicked. He did his usual um, one minute before the deadline, changed his mind. I think he had Mitrovic and, and changed him. I, I don't know if this was Duncan's like inside sources. He, he found that Mitrovic had been benched. So he brought in Che Adams to go up front alongside Danny Ings. So, um, so it was lovely to see Southampton uh, zero goals at the, week, at the weekend. So he's got two points apiece with them. Uh, so Adams, Ings, and that man, Indiana Vasilev again. So um, it's quite a strike force at the moment. Um, but in midfield, he has got it right. He, he went for Salah as captain as well, which is where most of his points come from. Aubameyang, vice-captain, uh, Son. So three the same as me. Uh, he's gone with Suchek and Alan San Maximan, um, which are, are two very popular picks. Um I do question slightly these people who've gone with Suchek. I mean, is he just a midfielder who happened to score two or three goals and he's never going to score again? That, uh, playing in a bad team, that that would be my my reservation about him, but uh, we'll give him a chance. Um, then he's got a pretty strong defence. He's got Robertson and Alexander-Arnold. Um, so obviously didn't do too much uh, against Leeds, but Robertson did chip in with an assist. 
And Roman Seiss, who's his one player left to play, uh, as well as Egan on the bench. And he's gone for McCarthy and Steer as his two goalkeepers. Um, so, yeah, well, I don't know what you, you all think about Duncan's team. Uh, no Chelsea is interesting. Um, I guess we'll, we'll see tomorrow if that's the right call or the wrong call. Um, and double Southampton strike force. Yeah, I feel like some surgery is going to probably be needed there. Pretty sharpish, is my guess. I did, Does I did he also to... have 0.5 million in the bank? Because it might be that he's going to do the, the Ings Martial switch as well. No, he has, he has zero in the bank, which is delightful to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, d- I did warn him about Che Adams, but um, I think once he scored that worldie against uh, Man City, he was obviously convinced. So, um, so yeah, well, we'll wait and see. Che Adams could prove me wrong. He certainly proved me wrong last season by being really bad. That, that worldie against Man City, like, Scott McTominay did almost exactly the same thing. It's not that. <laughs> it's not, not a sign of a great goal scorer, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I think... Th- I guess, yeah, they, they tend to be not prolific, the strikers who score from that far out. I guess Rooney did a couple, so he was prolific. But otherwise, it's people like Beckham who chip in occasionally with goals. But, um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I, th- I think Southampton, it, sometimes it's, you can be a bit knee-jerk with this. Yeah, they, 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 they had quite a dour game against Palace. But, um, yeah, I, they've got Tottenham up next at home. That's the kind of game. If Tottenham are a bit sluggish this season. That's the kind of game where Southampton could prove their their quality. So um, it, it may we may see Che Adams in a different light next week. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's uh, that's Duncan's team. Um, ben, do you want to take us through Matt's team? Yeah, happily. Um, so Matt, very kindly for you, Andy, has got a lower score than you <laughs> to make you... That's, that's quite remarkable. <laughs> uh, quite the gentleman that is. He's on 26 points right now. Um, so similar to you, Andy, I think he's planning for next game week. Um, so his team, he's got McCarthy, Button and goal. He's got Trent, Walker-Peters, Saiz, Mitchell, but he also has um, Juan Bissaka. So he's clearly planning um, for next week. Uh, and then in midfield, he has Aubameyang, Suchek, Sam Maximan. Um, similar to a lot of people, he missed out on Salah. So um, that's kind of why he has a low score this week. He has Havertz, um, which I think is an exciting pick because um, no one's seen him play in the Premier League. So we'll see tomorrow if he, if he firstly starts and then um, if he can score some points. Uh, and then he has Mason Greenwood as uh, another midfielder, um, clearly tempted at the 7.5 price. Um, so that's very much having uh, next week's game week in mind. And then up front, he has Werner. Mitrovic, who I think surprisingly for a lot of people didn't start. Um, I, I read that it may have done with he got late. He got back late from international duty. Um, and then Harold Kane who was awful today. I don't remember him having a shot. Um, so I think that might be a concern going forward and a punt that probably did not pay off, um, at least immediately. So yeah, that's Matt's team. Yeah, it sounds like he um, he went for, he spent the, the Salah money on Harry Kane. 
yeah. doesn't it? And that that's definitely like the opposite of paid off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's got a sting. <laughs> yeah, and then it, then he ducked out of this pod at very short notice, so um, <laughs> he defend himself. Um, the only good, good thing I'll say is, you know, you can downgrade Harry Kane to a, a lot of people, so I think Matt should hopefully have some options if he wants to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I, um, I, I, when picking my team, I always saw it as a, uh, a Bamiyang versus Salah choice that I've obviously fallen on the wrong side of. But it seems like Salah, like getting both into the team has been a, a popular choice this well, at least the opening games of this season it's uh, it's it's paid off paid off pretty well yeah the 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 danger now is it's it's great to have two of them but it's like now starting from next week you've got de bruyne sterling and fernandez people like that um playing so it it becomes like a you you really want to have three you don't want to be watching de bruyne and kind of from behind the sofa, not having him in your team, but it's like, who do you drop? Do you drop a Bamiyang? Do you drop Salah? It's, it's a tricky one. Yeah, I think there's, I actually think that's going to be a thing this season because there are. If you're right, Gary, about it being a more even league, then um, the best players in each of the top teams are, you know, these sort of like um, between sort of ten and a half and twelve million players. They're all going to get lots of points, right? You, they're might not be a big difference in the points totals between Fernandez and Salah and De Bruyne and Sterling. Um, so in the long run, it might be that spending 12 million on Salah and Aubameyang is actually a worse pick than spending 10 and a half on, on Fernandez, but time will tell, right? I think this, it makes the kind of the, the, the kind of the, the Lundstrom equivalence of this year, absolute gold dust. If you can find, if someone like this Mitchell at QPR, uh, QPR, Christian <laughs> Palace, uh, and, um, yeah, or, um, yeah, Justin James or someone like that. If, if, if some one of these 4.5 million players comes good and he's getting a few points, then they're, they're like gold dust because you can get, get some of the, the really expensive players into your team as well. Yeah. More of the big names in, um, Okay, well, uh, I think that that's quite a good segue into our early early revelations section of the podcast. We're going to be talking through um, some of our reflections on the early games, um, some things that we've spotted that perhaps were um, different from what we were expected. Some teams that were better or worse or more attacking or whatever than uh, than we thought they would be, and some players that stood out. Um, ben, you had some some insights that you wanted to share. So, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I think for this section. Um, I just wanted to talk through things that may have been pretty surprising uh, going to game week one. So the first one I wanted to talk about was Leeds. Um, we, you know, we we talked a little bit about Dallas in the previous pods, um, but you know, Leeds had some pretty tough fixtures to start with. So they they had Liverpool, they have Man City, they have Sheffield United, they have Wolves coming up. Um, so I kind of stayed away from Leeds, um, but watching that game live, I think it was kind of very promising that I think that there are a number of more budget enabler options that I think Gary, Gary rightly mentioned. If you can find the right ones, um, they can really be gold dust in enabling the rest of your team. Um, so, you know, defensively, Dallas got an assist, uh, but obviously they, they conceded a lot of goals. So, that didn't really materialise. But I thought in midfield, I thought that midfield was really, really fluid and electric. Um, 
you had Klitsch, who had nine points. Um, you had Jack Harrison. Gary, I think you shouted him out. He had, you know, former MLS player. Um, I thought he was really good. Um, he got seven points. Um, and then Phillips and Costa also looked dangerous, and they, they each got an assist. Um, so, yeah, a lot of nice five, 5.5 options there. I think purely from eye test, I, I liked Jack Harrison the best, and then maybe Costa second. Um, I just thought they were very dangerous on the wings. Um, and then up front, um, renowned, terrible finisher, Patrick Bamford. They created so many chances. He, uh, Van Dyke gave him a chance and he, he scored. So he got seven points. Um, the only worry there, I think, is people have talked about rotation with Rodrigo. But I mean, Rodrigo had a stinker, didn't he? Um, he came on, yeah, he lost in the game, basically. Um, but it's kind of weird. Yeah. Like, I assume like he's... Spanish international, so I assume he will get a decent amount of game time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Leeds? I thought so many interesting options that people can pick from. If I can just jump in on Rodrigo, I, I didn't think he looked very good. I'd be very yeah. worried that it's, I mean, obviously, I mean, famously, players like Thierry Henry came and they didn't set the world alight the first few games, but um, I'd be very worried to just spend 30 million on him. Um, I, I guess with Leeds, I still I still think the jury's a bit out. I think um, if you remember the start of last season, Norwich came up having won the championship. They went to Anfield. Oh yeah, you're right. They created a few chances, and they got in the end they got battered four one. And I kind of think that the same thing could easily have happened to Leeds. It's like they scored three really high quality goals, but that was probably a little bit. Fortunate, like as you say, those midfielders are good players, and like I think Harrison is a good one to watch. I think he will score some goals this season, but I don't. He's not going to take a ball down like that, skin Alexander Arnold, and rasp it in from thirty yards every week. That that was barely a chance, really, when it came to him, and he scored from it. So I, I do, I do think they've got to prove that in the championship they defended by having seventy percent possession and tiring the other team out. The other team never really got the ball. In the Premier League, they're going to have to show that they can actually defend because um, they, yeah, they they struggled with that, that cock on his debut, Robin Cock. He, he looked quite fast and he did a couple of good things, but he also did a couple of bad things, um, gave away the penalty, uh, the first penalty. Um, they looked very weak from corners as well. Like Van Dijk could have, should have been given two goals, I think, from corners. There was a one disallowed. Um, and... Their other, their the Cooper was injured, so they had a different centre back, Pascal Struik. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that, um, but I, I don't. I'm not sure if Coop, Liam Cooper is a good kind of journeyman who's kind of come on a lot in recent years under Bielsa, but I'm not sure he's like suddenly going to elevate that defence um, a whole lot higher. So, yeah, my, my reservation would be. These options are cheap, but you might not be getting any clean sheets, and the midfielders. Yeah, they, it, you probably saw bits of leads on a good day, but they probably got a few bad days in them as well. Yeah, there was one um, really alarming thing that I saw in that game, which was how frequently they gave the ball away immediately after winning it. And if you think about, I mean, obviously they scored a lot of goals against um, against Liverpool, so that kind of, that made made the game fairly even. Um, but they won't always get those goals, like you say, Gary. And I think, but I think that 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 habit of giving the ball away is born out of like 
the, the gap in quality between the, the championship and the, and the premiership. Like the pressing is better. The, the players are more physical. Um, the midfielders for the opposing side are going to be better at like jumping ahead of the likes of, uh, of Phillips and Hernandez who are used to playing at championship pace. And I think that, um, yeah, it's just going to be a lot harder for them to get those like counterattacks and going and definitely a lot harder to hold possession. So um, it, it might be that with, uh, with a bit of time, they, um, they get better at that. But certainly it was a bit, a bit alarming for me. So what I kind of predict for them is they'll probably do pretty well against Fulham, a fellow promoted side next week. But you might see a few weeks of, uh, of struggling to retain possession against the better sides after that. With, and they've got some pretty tough fixtures coming up. Um, they, might, they might have to learn a pretty tough lesson in the early days. And it might be that they come out stronger for it, or it might be that they, uh, they, they struggle like Norwich did. So we'll have to wait and see. I just had one thing as well that I, I was finding quite interesting. Like Jonathan Wilson on the the Guardian podcast was talking about Bielsa and his approach and saying that like he genuinely would go to Anfield and try and win the game. And um, a lot of kind of mid to lower mid table teams just don't have that approach. So we saw in that as a result they got a four three out of it. But it it could be an interesting one from a fantasy football point of view if they're away at like Chelsea or Man City or Man United if. It's great that they're going to try and win the game, but if it backfires, like, yeah, it could. I mean, there was one point at the start of that that Leeds game, and the the um, some of the text commentary was saying this could finish four three to Leeds or seven one to Liverpool. It's, it's that kind of game, and I think they got it kind of got it right that it 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 could have backfired horribly for them if um, uh, so they might they might be one to kind of a. a a useful whipping boy against some of the really top quality teams, but I think they've got enough quality against the rest to uh, to do okay. Leeds, Leeds, Man City is game week four, by the way. If <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if you want to back that prediction, um, the other the other team I thought was a, a bit of a revelation was Everton, who I think completely dominated Spurs. Um, definitely was nothing in all or nothing for Spurs today. Like. Uh, I thought defensively Everton looked really solid. Like Dinia got an assist, so he got he picked up twelve points. I think Seamus Coleman actually is interesting because you can get into their back line for five million. And I feel like the protection that Allen and Decore in midfield, obviously not FPL options, but I think really just make them look so solid. I can see Ancelotti, once they go one or two nil up, they'll just basically be super solid and, and just see out the game. Um, James Rodriguez, I thought, had a really good um, debut. He, his quality was... Uh, I think Andy watched the game. He, all his touches were just like a different class. Um, he, he doesn't look like he's getting in the box too much, but he may be good for like setting people up. Um, so I think Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison... Um, Calvert-Lewin got a goal, but Richarlison had... A lot of chances as well against what is supposedly a solid Spurs team. So I, I, I you know, could be a bit knee jerk, but I think if you wanted to take a punt, you could bet on Everton blowing West Brom away game week two. And I would bet Richarlison would definitely get some points next week. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I thought they, they were really solid uh, back to front. It's quite mouth-watering, the Everton fixtures, isn't it? It goes West Brom, Palace, Brighton. Admittedly, then there's Liverpool. But after that, you've got Southampton and Newcastle. So, tempting. Very tempting. Yeah, I, um, 
I totally agree with everything you just said, Ben. I thought Everton looked really, really good. Um, I still can't quite get my head around Carlo Ancelotti managing James Rodriguez at Everton. That just doesn't sound right <laughs> to me. Um, along with a couple of ex-Barcelona players in Yeri Mina and Andre Gomez as well. Like, that's, that's a really, really good team. Um, I thought... I, I, what you said about James, there was some moments in that game where... Like, there was one where there was an awful pass played up to him. I think it was Coleman put this, like, horrible, like, over, overly fast, like, ball into it, spinning around, like, around his waist height. And Hammers just, like, controlled it as though it was a good pass and then sprayed it out to Richarlison on the opposite wing who, who missed the chance. But I was like, wow, that's, like, that, that's the kind of football that you would expect to see at, like, the top teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona and... Um, and Bayern Munich, it was that quality of football, and it was happening in Everton shirts against this like poor, unsuspecting Tottenham side. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's that's really good. Um, I was looking really hard at Hamid because uh, I was expecting him to be on uh, on set piece duty, but interesting that he wasn't on set piece duty. It was still Luca Dina. That really interested me because that makes uh, like when I, I, I was looking really hard at Dina prior to the season starting. And the reason I didn't pick him was that I was expecting Hamas to be on free kicks. Obviously, he's taken a free kick, got an assist, and proven all that, proven me wrong on that. So he's a, I think he's definitely an interesting pick. Is um, is it crazy to go Trent to Dinia this early? I think that's a bit knee jerk, to yeah. be honest with you, because because yeah. Trent, yeah. Um, we were talking before about um, the top scorers this season. Like Trent, I think at seven and a half deserves to be in the conversation about who might top score in the entire game this season. You know, he that Liverpool defence probably will get better. Um, they'll probably be title contenders. And Trent could end up with like 10 assists and 7 goals this season and all the clean sheets. So, you know, I think it's a bit knee-jerk for that. But um, he's certainly like a better pick than Doherty. That was the decision I was making was, uh, was Dino or Doherty and I went the wrong way on it. Um, speaking of which, didn't Spurs look awful? Yeah, not great. Is this a very recurring theme from last year, though? They'd, they'd lose a game, everyone said they'd be awful, and then they'd, they'd win the next one. They'd kind of grind it out, so they might they might still bounce back. Yeah, that's kind I of mean, why they might. I'm, I'm holding Son um, for next week, because... Yeah, I think I also remember they they were very inconsistent where people would slam them for losing and then they would win the next game like 2-0 or something like that. So, yeah. Um, but they did not look good. And if anyone who had Delhi Alley uh, should be worried, he got hooked at halftime and it was tactical. So <laughs> classic Mourinho man management there, but uh, not great if you if you have Delhi Alley in your FPL team. I think Deli Ali is that he kind of sums up what you've just said about Spurs, where he'll get slated for playing really badly, and then he'll come back and score a couple of goals the following week with like, or like, like that, last, last, that. I was reminded in All or Nothing about that time when he was like lying on his back and he played a through ball to Human Son from like right on the, on the on the edge of the pitch, falls almost out of play. Deli Ali's on his back, lying out of play. And he somehow manages to like play a through ball from that position. Yeah. He just does stuff like that that nobody else would think of. Um, so then, so it's quite possible that he'll, you know, much like Spurs, come back next week, score a couple of goals, and and redeem himself. Um, 
So I wouldn't. I don't, I don't know. I've, I've sort of seen Dele look rubbish before and then come back and be yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but I have lost faith in in Spurs. I've uh, I've transferred out both Doherty and Son based on this week's performance. So <laughs> can't really talk. Um, the other early revelation for me, um, it's, it sounds a bit strange to call this guy a revelation, but Mo Salah has been like a, a thorn in my side FPL wise for as long as I've been playing the game. Uh, well, as long as he's been playing the game, rather. Um, where I actually had him in my side when he was at Chelsea, thinking he was going to make it, and he obviously didn't. Then he comes back to Liverpool, and I was like, oh, no, he was rubbish at Chelsea, he'll be rubbish again. And he's like, he top scores in Liverpool, losing the Champions League final. Then uh, he has a couple of seasons where I felt like, although he was obviously one of the top players in the game, he was also the most expensive player in the game and didn't really justify being the most expensive player in the game where you could have, like, other like by not having him, you enable other other things to happen in your team. He just scored a hat trick on the opening day. Are we going to see the Salah from two seasons ago, or are we going to see the Salah from the last couple of seasons? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd kind of echo what you said. That he he did look very kind of lean and mean and sharp, and I, I think he's one of those players who he played an awful lot of football without a rest, and now he's had that rest. Um, I'm just looking at some of his stats. So, like, um, yeah, four key passes, which is the most in the Liverpool team. Seven dribbles, the most in the Liverpool team. Um, obviously, a couple of penalties. So, he, he had a touch of fortune, but he took that other goal so well. There was, there was one point where he played Mane in, and Mane didn't really make the most of the opportunity, but he he just looked so mean and sharp. So, um, yeah, I... I I kind of had half an eye on just having him for the first week and then transferring him out, but I'm definitely going to stick with him away at Chelsea. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he goes against Chelsea's kind of slightly shaky defence. Um, but yeah, I, I think the early indications were he could be on for a bumper season. Yeah, my my question on Salah is, I mean, I thought he was Liverpool's clearly best player, but I I have a suspicion Liverpool as a team aren't going to be as good this season. Um, and how will that impact Salah's like, point output? And I think the next two games will give a good indication for that. So Chelsea away, um, can Liverpool do some damage there? And then actually Arsenal, um, that is their next game with like their new short up kind of tactics around defending. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if, if Liverpool as a team can dominate those two clubs like they've done in previous seasons. Um, because if they look as bad as they did in the back um, against Leeds, you know, I think they could really struggle. So, and then how that might impact Salah's like viability, like as an FPL player long-term. So um, I'm, go- I'm kind of like going to use those two game weeks to see what kind of Liverpool are we going to see this season. And then that might inform like, whether a Sterling or De Bruyne or Bruno Fernandes might be better than Salah. But yeah, I think there's no way you can drop him after, after he scored a hat-trick game with one. Yeah, that's it. But that's kind of how I'm going to look at it as well. I, I, I sort of, the way my team built, was built up, I, ha- I couldn't have both Aubameyang and Salah, so I chose Aubameyang thinking, um, that guy's a midfielder. What? <laughs> 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 my team. Um, 
And I think I'm going to watch the next couple of games and see what happens. But there was a moment early in the game uh, this week where Salah, he got the ball quite deep and he just embarrassed two Leeds midfielders and just like sauntered past them with like a step over a drag and then an accelerated forward. I was like, well, this is, that's the kind of, that's the player from a couple of seasons ago. That's not player from last season. He was just so much more alert and like, Saw saw play a couple of steps ahead in the way that he wasn't really doing last season. Um, so I, I I think he could be, even if Liverpool aren't as good as they were previously, that doesn't necessarily to me mean that Salah won't be. Like it could be that like Mane drops off a little bit, Van Dijk drops off a little bit, but they still score like heaps of goals through Salah, um, which would make him still the player to have this season. So if that if that continues again in the next two games, like you say, then I think. He's going to be the one rather than Aubameyang, um, and I might I might sacrifice my uh, my original plan to get in my demand City players and spend the money on Salah instead. Um, so that, those, those were that, anyway. Spurs and Salah were my two early revelations. Gary, you wanted to talk about Arsenal this season. Yeah, well, I kind of covered this a bit at the start with my kind of bold slash foolish prediction that they're in the title race. But um, I, I just think that Arsenal look the business this season. Um, they've got Aubameyang, so they've got a great striker who's going to score goals, classified as a midfielder. And I just think their defence looks uh, a lot more solid. So um, I, I would definitely, definitely consider Arsenal. Um uh, the, the other thing I'd just add from that revelations was I, I still back what I said about Fulham that I don't I think I think people should be wary about hedging against Fulham as this kind of team that's going to concede 80 plus goals this season. I, I actually thought they kept the ball quite well in patches and um, showed a bit of quality and a bit of uh, bravery on the ball. So I, I feel like um, I'm slight I'd, I'm slightly not sure how to how to predict the, the Leeds-Fulham game coming up this weekend. I think a few people will have seen Leeds and be thinking, right, let's see him put a few past, past Fulham if they play that well against Liverpool. But I, I think Fulham might surprise one or two people. Um, they, they're not going to score that many goals, but I just don't think they're going to be um, whipping boys. They, they, they might go down. They've, had a, they've, they've been pushed up into the league with very short notice. But if they do fail, I think they'll fail in a very... Four five one, holding their own, just not scoring enough goals, but losing kind of one nil or two nil kind of way. Um, but yeah, I, I, back to the main point, I'd say like Arsenal for me are a genuine title contender, and they'll have a few of the the top scoring defenders and attackers this season. Is my my main takeaway. So from that team, who are the assets that you'd be looking at? So obviously Abamian, but aside from Abamian, who are the other assets that you think are worth looking at? Um. So, I, I mean, if Gabriel is going to be um, playing every week as a centre half, then I think I think he surprised a few people by being fit. But suddenly, for five million and a bit of a threat from set pieces, he would come into that. Um, then I've, I mean, I've gone for Bellerin, another player at five million. Um, so obviously, as one of the wide players, you've also got Maitland Niles at five million. That they're going to get involved a lot in the, the attacks kind of coming down the flanks. I guess the only risk there is the kind of rotation that Bellerin has not been fit to play regularly for the last two or three seasons. So he's a bit of a a rotation risk. Um, if Rob Holding keeps playing at 4.5, he could be a, a bargain. Um, 
yeah, if, if he plays regularly and he's in this Arsenal defence, then then he's the definite bargain. And then Willian, I mean, again, at Chelsea, he's always been that. We know he's good, but is he eight million good? Um, but it, I mean, well, you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better first game than that, can you? Um, but then, I mean, the obvious one, almost obvious to say, is that Bamiyang is going to be one of the top point scorers. But yeah, I think Willian um, could well be tempting as well. I uh, I've always been been wary of Willian because I find that he like has a couple of weeks where he gets like double figures and then just vanishes for another 10 games. And obviously, it's those 10 games you have in your team for. So, <laughs> I've always been very wary of him in the past. Yeah, I mean, the good thing with him is he's always on the... He seems to be, like, on the corners and the free kicks already. Um, did he hit the post? Was it William who hit the post? Yeah, the free he did. Kick as well? yep. Yeah. Um, I guess Aubameyang might still be the penalty taker. I can't remember many Arsenal penalties, actually, but um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I certainly think um, there's plenty of options in Arsenal. So I'm I'm sticking with my three Arsenal at least for next week. I'm saying that they've, they've got a pretty, they've got the two hardest fixtures in the league: game week three, Liverpool away; game week five, Man City away. Um, and then game week seven is Man United away, actually. So <laughs> arguably the three hardest fixtures. Um, so. So yeah, that it might be kind of watch watch and see how Arsenal do, and then back them for this purple patch they've got in December, in kind of November onwards. Um, if if they are looking the real deal, yeah, I think we'll definitely know after those uh, after that run of fixtures, won't we, whether they're the real deal or not. Um, if they if they manage to sort of hold their own, um, you know. Get a sort of come out with a roughly even split of wins, losses, and draws out of out of those games. Then I think you can say they're they're really on track, can't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right, cool. Thanks, Gary. Um, we uh, the next thing is, of course, uh, City and Man United, two of the, the biggest point getting teams, have not yet played, and so um, I mentioned earlier that that my strategy has been to. Uh, to kind of sacrifice game week one in order that I can get more City and Man United players in next week. And that's done the same. Um, so they're quite a big part of the of the tactics for the early part of this season, I think. Um, so, so Ben, do you want us to talk about what your plan is for, for those those two teams? Yeah, I think um, there, there are two kind of ways to go about it. I think one is like what you've met uh, have done which is kind of plan ahead and then I think there's the pro tram taking which is maybe make one or two transfers and then by game week four like just basically wild card in a bunch of players um, so on the United side um, I think defences uh, should be pretty solid we have quite a good run of fixtures we've got Palace, Brighton then we've got Spurs but then like, we have Newcastle after that um, so not too bad. Um, I think in midfield, I think all the usual, usual suspects, Fernandez, um, Rashford now classified as a midfielder. I think the inter- interesting one is Greenwood at 7.5, um, who Matt has gone for. Um, if he, if we, if Manu don't end up signing another kind of right winger, then I think Greenwood is really good value. If he's going to be playing most of the games. 
Um, but as a fan, I'm, you know, I'm obviously hoping we do sign a right winger called uh, Jaden Sancho. But I, I think we'll wait and see. Um, my big, my big bet is this is the season Anthony Martial becomes like a truly elite forward, um, where he, you know, will be at the top of the the Golden Boot race. Um, and so that's kind of my plan was always to do Danny Ings to Anthony Martial. Um, on the city side, I think what has held me off getting them in straight away is Wolves is a tough fixture, I think, to start with. And uh, then they have Leicester afterwards. Um, so I'm going to use those two fixtures to see what Pep is doing in terms of like his formation, who is, who is he playing is De Bruyne still playing every game? How's Raheem Sterling looking? Um, so, yeah, I think that's the approach I'm taking for with City is a little bit more wait and see. Um, but, like, I think we talked about earlier, if Leeds try and play football against City, I can see them getting absolutely destroyed. So I definitely want some City players by game week four. And, yeah, I think that's my take so far. And there's, there's probably... I agree with everything you just said, Ben. Um there's a, a couple of things that I'd add on the well, one on one on both sides and one on the city side. Um, on both sides, obviously, everybody has reduced their Man City and Man United team entries in game week one, and so their players are going to see a lot of transfers in over the course of the next week, which is going to see a lot of price rises on both sides. So where you'd normally look to make your Man U and Man City transfer, well, any transfers, you'd like, look to make them later to avoid the possibility of injuries and coronavirus um, getting in the way of a team. Now, just with this particular game week, like Sterling right now has a team selected by of uh, 3.8%. That's that's not going to be 3.8% by next week, is it? So um, if, you're, if you've got a sort of plan in your head that you want to execute to get these players in, Price rises could screw you if you don't get it done quickly. Yeah, uh, that's why I've already taken my eight point hit is to make sure that I don't lose the the possibility of getting in Bruno Fernandez at that price. Um, the second thing that I'm in- interested to hear both of your takes on is um, I've I've picked Phil Foden. He was like Foden and Greenwood were the, were the first two names on my team sheet when I started building my team because um, I think both of them are going to play this season. I'm interested to see whether you guys agree on Foden. I don't like him very much. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, nothing personal, but I... He's a jerk. <laughs> from a fantasy football point of view, I'm, I just think he's a kind of a... Even when he does play, he's a kind of 60 minutes kind of guy, like, or on the worst case, 59 minutes kind of player that, that Pep doesn't really trust him to play a full game. And I, I don't know... I don't know much about this Torres who they've brought in, Ferran Torres, but... I think he might be a, a rotation. You've got Bernardo Silva, uh, Gundogan. Um, you've still got Fernandinho could play midfield. So you've you, you still got a few other midfielders. That they might even sign one or two more. I, I just think, I think he'll play more this season, but um, you could get Bernardo Silva for just one million more. And I think he's going to play more minutes and probably be involved in more goals. So um, he'll, have to prove, he'll have to prove himself for, to me. Yeah, obviously I... that's uh, that, that, obviously he needs to prove himself to you, Gary. Because otherwise, what's the point in playing football? <laughs> <laughs> but, 
for me, it's Sorry, for me, it's wait and see. Like um, a lot of talk about Foden inheriting the new David Silva kind of role. Um, if he plays ninety minutes against Wolves and then ninety minutes against Leicester, then yes, of course he becomes interesting. Um, but if he if he's rotating in and out at like like Gary says sixty minutes, then probably less interesting. Um, the one thing I forgot, sorry to go back to Manu, is I actually think the Palace game might be sneakily difficult. Uh, I know a lot of people think it might be a thrashing, but they they basically limited a very attacking Southampton team to like no chances. So that's my only word of caution for that fixture. Um, it's not going to stop me getting Martial, but um, it may not be as easy as people think it might be. It's my I um. I think I agree with you there, Ben. And I'd, I'd say I just outlined the opposite strategy is because uh, people like Andy and Matt have gone in with a couple of Man U players on the bench or Man City players on the bench. The, the opposite strategy is you hold another week um, because like the teams, the teams starting a bit later, you may find like the, the one week of extra fitness that the other teams have had like a game to get up to kind of match fitness. Um, obviously, Manu and Man City's seasons ended quite late as well, so they've had a very weird pre-season. Um, so, if if you kind of got Palace and Wolves um, are a bit fitter um, going into those games, it, it might be tough for Manu. Um, even if they beat Palace, it might only be like a a one nil or a two nil. So, it, it for me, I'm going to take the risk and then use potentially use my two free transfers to do a bit of juggling. I, I realise that this means that I will not benefit from any price rises. I'll be having to pay a little bit more for a couple of their players. But um, I, yeah, I, I just feel like it's a bit of a... I, basically, I'd have to get rid of either Salah or Aubameyang to, to do this move. And I just think I'd rather have Salah and Aubameyang in game week two than have... Um, Sterling or De Bruyne or um, or Fernandez. Yeah, I think that's that's solid logic. Um, the, the the Palace one is interesting. I I watched that game, and what I saw was a Southampton side that looked like they were missing their midfield. Like they sold Hoybier, who was a, a like first team player for them last season, and their other central midfielder was Ward Prowse who is really a set-piece taker and a passer and not much of a sort of all-round midfielder. Um, I thought they really missed Hoybier in that game. I thought, I think he, he set, he starts a lot of their moves off. He shields, he, like, well, started a lot of their moves off, shielded. Um, he was like the sort of physical presence in their midfield. And, yeah, without him, I thought they looked a little bit, a little bit like they were missing the the, the central, like, member of the team, you know, the sort of the one that the others all play around. So I think Southampton might actually be in for a bit of a, a disappointing season if that if obviously it's a bit knee jerk off one game. But I think um certainly that game flattered Palace a little bit because Southampton looked more rubbish than I was expecting. And it, in terms of Palace Andy, um, what what's your hot take on Ty Tyrick Mitchell? Um I think a lot of people <laughs> will be eagerly uh hoping he comes good, me included. Well, I think he he looked like a um, he didn't. I said this in in the best possible terms for a defender making his debut. He didn't stand out. Like he didn't look like a, a liability. He looked like a really solid member of the team that had been playing there for ages. 
So that's a really good sign, right, for um, a defender in a Roy Hodgson team. So it's quite possible that he'll retain his place. Um, it's a bit, it's a gamble, right? You don't really know, but um, he's definitely on my watch list. Excellent. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, time will tell if uh, if next week Palace hold Man United to a nil-nil draw, then that'll be a really good sign for them. Obviously, Zaha looked good as well, which wasn't the case last season, and I think. Even for their defence, Zaha playing well means the ball stays at the other end of the pitch longer and helps and like makes the other team less willing to commit players forward. So that also I thought was a good sign for Palace. He's he's the classic fantasy football troll, isn't he, Zaha? <laughs> yeah. Usually everyone starts with him in the team, but this year he's not been in the conversation. He scores that goal first game and you're suddenly like, Oh, seven million, Zaha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he is. I think that seven million range, like there are a lot of players around there that you'd pick ahead of him even when he's playing well. His best seasons, he's only got nine or ten goals, isn't he, in the entire yeah, season? Yeah, if, he, if he's going to play up front every week and get nine or ten goals, then that's that is a bargain, I think. Yeah, it could be, but I mean, he's he's roughly the same price as the likes of James Rodriguez, you know, who if he's as good as he looks this week and continues that form through the winter when it gets cold. Um, you know, if Foden, if Foden is, uh, if I, if I'm, if if my sort of instinct on Foden is right, and he really is going to inherit David Silva's role and play every game, six and a half million is a better deal for Foden, isn't it? Well, in that Man City side, then uh, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not sure either of those two players are ten goals a season kind of players. That's that's the only thing. Zaha is if he if he plays well, he's he's done it two of the last three seasons. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I guess we'll all pick him and that'll ensure that he doesn't score any goals, right? As I say, he's a troll. He's just got inside my head then. I wasn't even planning on putting him in my team, but now now he's he's leaping out at me saying, pick me. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a, I think that's a good, good rundown of the City and Man U situation. Um, we have had a week of football, almost, and that means that we have a, a league that we can share the, uh, the situation. And Gary, do you want to talk to us about the... Uh, the team that is currently atop the the league. Yeah, so we've we we've got we've had a few extra teams join the league this year. We're on ninety eight teams altogether in the league. So hopefully we'll get a couple more and bring it up to a magic three figures, bring up the hundred. Um, I think the live FPL site is struggling a little bit under the weight of the um, the the kind of the new season and trying to get everything up to speed so I've had to just click on a few teams to see who I think has got the most points but uh, so apologies if uh, someone's got a big haul in on today on Sunday and they've got more but as far as I can tell as of Sunday evening uh, Bookfast Kings from Adam O'Connor is our is our leader is top of the pile so um, Adam has got 75 points so far uh, with two Chelsea players, Reese James and Timo Werner, still to play. Uh, so he's he's kind of like all the, the top point scorers this week. He's gone with Salah as captain, so that's a solid forty points. Um, like pretty much all of the top teams, he's got Aubameyang as vice captain, so he's got a lot of options in there. Um, what the other things he's got right, which a few others haven't, is Callum Wilson uh, up front, which is a really interesting pick. And Wilson actually did look really good. Uh, 6.5 million um, against West Ham. Big caveat, it was against West Ham. But um, 
he looked really lively. And he's also gone for James Justin at the back, uh, like Ben. Uh, so nine points at the back from James Justin, um, who's a very promising player if he can keep hold of a first-team shirt. Um, and he's even got Tyreek Mitchell on the bench, so he could have had even more points if he hadn't have fallen into the same Doherty trap that you did, Andy. Um, but yeah, no, it's a nice-looking team. Um, got a few of the regulars like Son, St. Maximan, Ings in there as well, McCarthy. Um, but but yeah, so uh, he's the early pace setter, but there's a there's a cluster of people around the 65 to 75 point mark. So uh, it's pretty tight at the top so far. We'll see how things develop. All right. Well, uh, yeah, certainly a lot of good decisions in there. Um, and like I said, the, the sort of, I think the, the 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 league so far is pretty much split into people who captain Salah and people who didn't have people who like three there's three tiers right there's captain Salah had him but didn't captain him and then didn't have him at all because this week was so Salah dominated obviously when we get into the weeks that are less Salah dominated where either he doesn't score so highly or other players also score really highly then that's when the um, the the strength of your team really shows itself I think. Yeah, I agree. It's all about Salah this week. There's not many people who've captained uh, Hendrik or uh, Castagne or Gabriel. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, a few of the other star players are, are unusual ones. Well, I'm just waiting for the Werner hat-trick tomorrow. So, that should hopefully help things. Yeah, I, I need that quite desperately. Um, <laughs> that'll help me a lot. All right. Um, good. So, before we wind up, the, it is traditional to go through the, the, the fixtures um, next week and look for clean sheets and whipping boys. Um, I think it would be, let's start off with the whipping boys, shall we? Because uh, that's obviously the, 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 the more fun one. Um, ben, do you want to pick one out first? Yeah, this is a close one, I think, between West Brom, who play Everton, and West Ham, who play Arsenal. I'll go West Ham. I'm definitely going to captain Aubameyang this week again. And I bet on him to pile more misery onto David Moyes. Yeah, I think you took the words out of my mouth there, Ben. I'm, I'm, I've also picked out West Ham as whipping boys. It's kind of their traditional shambolic start to the season. Uh, no doubt they'll they'll sack Moyes some point around Christmas and have a bit of a new manager bounce, and, and then bring him back this. end of the season <laughs> for his third, yeah. his third <laughs> swing. So they. They're not quite there yet. So, uh, so yeah, I, as I say, I think Arsenal are looking really good this year and against they, they should they should pile the misery on West Ham. Yeah, yeah I think I, I agree. You picked out West Brom as the other possible option. I do fear for them against that Everton side because they looked so good this week against uh, a much better side than West Brom. Um, but, I, yeah, I probably would go for West Ham as well. The one thing that I am slightly fearful of, obviously we haven't seen Chelsea play yet, but if they defend like they did last season, then they could concede quite a few goals against Liverpool, even though they're actually a good team. Um, so maybe one to look out for, but I think it's much less likely. than it's, it, it, you know, it could go either way that game. It's just something that might happen. Um, West Ham look like the most likely looking boys to me. Um, so clean sheets then. Uh, do you want to go first on clean sheets, Gary? Uh, yeah, I don't see many actually, so I'll, I'll take the opportunity to, to reinforce what I said and go for Arsenal. I think I think they'll keep out West Ham. You mean that that awesome David Moyes attack? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it seemed to be Antonio surrounded by about four Newcastle defenders this week, uh, and him trying to shoot, even though there were players in the way. That was basically there. They're attacking. <laughs> so um, good a player as Antonio is, I don't think he can do it on his own. Fair enough. Ben, I'm going Everton. Um, I really want to find a way to get Dinia into my team. I just can't do it quite yet, but. If I had him for this fixture, I'd feel pretty good. Yeah, I think that's a, a solid pick as well. Those are the two. Those are the two fixtures that it's most obvious which way they're going to go. Right, like you'd be very, very surprised if um, either Everton or Arsenal didn't come away with a win. Um, so those two make sense. I think the next most likely for me looks like Newcastle at home against Brighton. Um, you know, Newcastle are a, a defensive side. Um, they've just come off a, a good win with a clean sheet. Um, Brighton aren't the most fearsome side travelling on the road. So, yeah, I think maybe Newcastle. Yeah, I'd, I don't see many more clean sheets after that. I'm going to go with a bit of a punty one, which is always, it's always punty when you predict Aston Villa for a clean sheet. But um, I remember the the nil-nil they had with Sheffield United just after the restart with the phantom occluded goal um, that Sheffield United scored. But there wasn't many chances in that game. So um, I predict perhaps a nil-nil or maybe a Villa might sneak it 1-0. So if uh, if Villa can successfully manage to occlude their goal again, they can keep out Sheffield United. Or occlude the ball, I should say. They didn't occlude that goal. That's taking it a whole new level. Um, yeah. I, I think Man U can keep a clean sheet against Powers. Um, I don't. I feel like that's a decent punt as well. Yeah, it could be. It depends on on which Zaha shows up, doesn't it? Yeah. It's interesting. I, I would have picked up perhaps Sheffield United keeping a clean sheet against Aston Villa as my next one. I don't really believe. I don't believe like, really strongly that it's going to happen. I think that game could really go either way, but could happen. Could be 0-0. Mm. Yeah, and after that, I think I'm all out of clean sheets. I mean, Leicester might do it against Burnley, but I wouldn't stake my savings on it. So, uh, not, yeah, no more from me. No, that Sean Dyke-Burnley side, could, like anything can happen in those games, right? It's pretty, like betting against Burnley is a dangerous game. Yeah, never bet against Chris Wood. <laughs> All right, so um, our whipping boys then are West Ham, and our most likely clean sheets are Everton and Arsenal, with a few others um, thrown in there as maybes. All right, well that that brings us to a close then for for this week's podcast. Thanks very much for joining us, Gary. My pleasure. And Ben, welcome. It's it's good to have FPL back. Yes, it certainly is, and uh, it'll be good to have a full full fixture list next week right so bring it on yeah let's do it behind the sofa watching the Man U uh, Palace game I think with my (laughs) Man U yeah I will be very much on the sofa watching that game Um, looking forward to it All right, let's call it a day thanks everybody